Know your limits, Master Wayne. Batman has no limits. Well, you do, sir. Well, can't afford to know him. And what's gonna happen on the day that you find out? We all know how much you like to say, I told you so. That day, Master Wayne, even I won't. The night is dark is just before the dawn. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmastunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing much better this uh, this past weekend, man. Woo! It was a rough one. Uh, man, I had uh, I had some issues that happened in my home life, and it just it wasn't good. Uh, I had some big plans I I had that fell through. But uh, you know, I always say everything happens for a reason. So hopefully, my uh, my plans that I had will uh, will turn out to be better. Uh, it's a new day. It's a new week. Uh, it's not as crappy as this weekend was. Uh, just you know, had some uh, daughter, f- you know, got hurt and just had a lot of uh, tension in the house and it was just hot out and uh, family events and all all that all that fun stuff. You guys know how how that stuff can be. And uh, I'm just glad to be back. Uh, I know you just got Batman Begins. I hope you really enjoyed that review. And uh, and I'm back with uh, the Dark Knight. It's Tuesday. I know uh, this is the normal time frame of when I used to get episodes out. And uh, lately, it's been coming out on Fridays. But things are finally catching up. I decided to get this out to you today, even though you just got Batman Begins a couple days ago. Just because uh, the Dark Knight Rises comes out Friday, and I'm going to be seeing it Friday. No, I'm not going to the midnight show. But I'm going Friday. First thing Friday. Uh, the first showing is at noon. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to have everything off, phone-wise, internet-wise, just everything off so I can't get spoiled. And then uh, Friday night, I'll be uh, posting a review up for The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Worst case scenario will be Saturday. Here's the thing. Um, I'm going to do the first part of it as spoiler-free. And then we're just going to get right into it. So listen at your own risk. If you've seen The Dark Knight Rises, please listen. But if you don't, if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises, do not listen to the episode because you will be spoiled, and uh, you don't want to be spoiled on this movie. So, uh, and and I'm very excited to to be doing this episode. Uh, but after after The Dark Knight Rises on Friday, taking a little break, guys, because uh, you know I put my heart. And my energy and my soul into these these past reviews, you know, I, I've put everything I have into these Batman reviews because it means so much to me. And uh, this will be like the fifth review in in, a, in less than a month. So uh, so I, I need to take a couple weeks off just to recuperate and just kind of breathe a little bit. But when I come back, uh, that's when we're going to start the one-offs and uh, we have some good stuff planned. I can't wait. But I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, after Friday... Uh, I'm going to take some time off. Not a whole lot, nothing to worry about, maybe like two weeks, which I know you're like, oh, that's no big deal. Most podcasts only release an episode once a month or whatever. But I know you guys are used to having an episode from me every week. But uh, when I come back, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun times picking some really good one-offs, doing some zombie land, uh, never-ending story, Flight of the Navigator, and uh, most importantly, Cool as Ice. Uh, that movie is going to be great. Um, I know... Uh, it's a, definitely a guilty pleasure 
which will fall into the Guilty Pleasure series, but I have a lot of great things planned uh, on that episode that even if you are not a fan of the movie, you, you need to check out because it's going to be super fun. And I'll get more uh, info on that uh, when time comes, but I just want to give you guys a heads up to be on the lookout after The Dark Knight Rises for those upcoming episodes. Zombieland's going to be super fun. Uh, never-ending story I've, been, I've always wanted to do for a long time. Fly of the Navigator, which is super awesome film, and then uh, and then Cool as Ice, and then uh, and then we'll start uh, other fun stuff. So, guys, uh, while we, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to say in the in the intro part, the announcements, if you will. So let's get into some movie and music news. Made a wrong turn once or twice. Dug my way out, blood and fire Bad decisions, that's alright Welcome to my silly life Mistreated, this place misunderstood Alright guys, first thing up in uh, in movie news I want to talk about, I did just see Spider-Man this weekend, and uh, I will officially get a review out for that, I just don't know when, but I, I did absolutely love it, I thought it was great, it had a lot of emotion, uh, I'm going to call it out now, it was better than The Avengers. For me, it was just, it was great, pretty much the same thoughts that Jason had over flicks is pretty much how I feel about the movie, it was just awesome, I like cried twice. It was just, it was so flipping good. I loved it. Uh, it was great time. So uh, all goes well. I will get official review out for you. But if I don't, I just want to say that I loved it. I gave it five stars because it was just super fun. Uh, I pretty much mirror everything Jason had to say about the film. Uh, the ending, though, I was just so flipping worried about uh, how it was going to go. And I'm not going to get into it. But overall, though, I just, I, I loved it. Loved it. I thought it was great. And then, of course, The Dark Knight Rises, there's been reviews coming up, which I've been, uh, of, of course, avoiding, not trying to come in contact with just any time I see anything. Oh, review, and I'm like, oh, run away and hide. But I do know Batman on film is spoiler-free. Uh, they always have that sort of policy. So I knew when they posted the review, I could just see what their score was, and the top of it just said it was uh, better than The Dark Knight, which uh, Jet, the guy who uh, is the runner of the site... Uh, absolutely loves the Dark Knight. That's his favorite movie of all time. For so for him to say it was better, that I knew it was gonna be good, and he gave an A plus. That's all I read, and then I got out of it. So I'll read the rest on Saturday. But uh, it sounds pretty promising. Um, it sounds like everybody's loving. It. I know I just saw um, a TV spot. It says in three days, and they start throwing all these incredible masterpiece, all that stuff. So I'm just excited just to go there and just see everything unfold. It's gonna be awesome. I got the soundtrack today. To the Dark Knight Rises, it's incredible. I love it. It's so flipping good, and uh, and it's I highly recommend you pick it up. If you want to wait till after the movie comes out, that's totally cool. 
but I, I highly recommend you, you pick it up. I gave it a 10 out of 10. I thought it was excellent. So, uh, so yeah, I am pumped up. But just, just be aware, guys. Those, uh, those reviews are out there, and, and some idiot's going to spoil it for you. So I would just try to stay off the net as much as you can, which I've been doing. So, of course, uh, movie news-wise, we're not going to have a whole lot. As I said, all that stuff is really going to come in after the Dark Knight Rises episode because I just I can't go to the wrong place and get some idiot, uh, you know, go ahead and spoil and stuff for me. But uh, I do have some stuff for you. Uh, the first bit I have for you, as you guys know, the first series review I ever did was the Ninja Turtles series. So, uh, and I told you, anytime I find some info, I'll be the first, I'll try my best to be the first to, to drop the line to you. So, uh, the Ninja Turtles movie, uh, Kevin Eastman. If you don't know Kevin Eastman, he's one of the creators of the Ninja Turtles. And uh, he just recently uh, had some things to say. He goes uh, about the reboot. He said, from what I've seen, it's easily the best turtle movie yet. We're taking, uh, we're talking rad redemption style fighting scenes. We're talking about an epic rise to the planet of the apes sort of effects. So he sounds pretty positive about how things are going. Not sure if they're keeping things in regards to aliens or, or whatever the case may be. But he does uh, sound pretty impressed with what he's seen. So hey, if the creator you know, is, is definitely helping with the reboot and he's been happy with what he's seeing, then hey, that's good enough for me. But I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what gets delivered to me. And, uh, and then I'll judge it from there. So... Now, a bit of news that came out today that I'm really excited for is uh, Andrew Stanton has returned for a Finding Nemo sequel. I love Finding Nemo. It's actually the very first Pixar film I ever watched. And then after I saw Finding Nemo, I went ahead and watched Monsters, Inc., so on and so forth. Uh, Finding Nemo, uh, I love it. It has a soft place in my heart. I actually have a humongous display of it. I actually have a six-foot-tall Mike and Sully display from Monsters, Inc. that's uh, sitting at my stairwell. So when you go up and down the stairs, you have Mike and Sully smiling at you. And it's really, really cool. I love it. But Finding Nemo, I've always wanted a sequel to that film. And we finally got confirmation today that we are going to get a Finding Nemo sequel. So that's awesome. I'm very excited for that. Not a whole lot of information on it, just that it's been officially confirmed. And that uh, the original guy that worked on the film is returning. So there you go. I'm excited. Can't wait. Uh, anything they give me, I'm going to take because I flippin' love Finding Nemo, man. It's like, you know, it's a, my first Pixar movie, so of course it's got a special place in my heart, you know? Now, all you Punisher fans out there, which you know that I'm a humongous Punisher fan, the Thomas Jane Punisher fan, over at Movie Mojo Monthly, they gave me crap in regards to my superhero list, which is all good, but uh, they just came out with a Comic-Con uh, featurette today. There was a short, like a Punisher short that was done, uh, where... Um, it's really cool. Uh, I mean, of course, it's rated R for language and violence, but uh, it's pretty flipping awesome. It's called Dirty Laundry, and uh, and you got to check it out. Uh, here's what Thomas Jane had to say. He said, I wanted to make a fan film for a character I've always loved and believed in. It's a love letter to Frank Castle and his fans. It was an incredible experience with everyone on the project, throwing in their time just for the fun of it. It's been a blast to be apart from start to finish. We hope the friends of Frank enjoy watching it and as much as we did making it. And uh, it was pretty cool. And then in reply to Twitter to a fan who asked if he had some kind of agenda making the short, Thomas Jane just said, not pushing anything, just a fan film from Friends of Frank. And uh, it's really, really cool. 
uh, go check it out. Uh, it's it, from what I hear, it's gotten some really good uh, reviews from people that have seen it. Just said that this short was better than both of the films combined, and uh, it was some good stuff. And uh, uh, one person said that ten minutes was better than all of part two. And oh, it's it just it's really cool. I'm really excited. Um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. So anytime Thomas Jane's The Punisher Man, mm, I just love that movie. It's a good time. So I will definitely be reviewing that movie at one point in time for sure. Now, uh, there was news of the uh, release of the Marvel films. Uh, for example, Captain America, they said that uh, the title of the film is going to be Captain America Winter Soldier, which is uh, which is pretty cool. You know, I, just by the title alone, sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting. And then also... Uh, there's also confirmed DC superhero Lobo, uh, which obviously is not an A-list, you know, DC character, but but uh, Lobo though is officially going to be played by my boy Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, he's going to be bringing the character to life, and you know Dwayne's been attached to various superhero rumors, everything from like Shazam and uh, various other projects, but. Uh, it's cool that he's officially on board. He's getting his own his own uh, superhero flick. So go check it out. As far as the character goes of Lobo, it's L-O-B-O if you're interested in the character. And uh, I'll just be interested to see what we get. It's going to be good. Now, of course, it's not going to be for a while. He's currently working on Fast 6. Uh, that actually starts filming in like two weeks, I believe. So it's going to be a little while before he gets behind the uh, behind the camera to start filming that. But hey, it's cool. Anything to, to keep his career going, I'm excited. And hey, might as well get into the superhero genre, right? So so there you go. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be Lobo. And the last bit of movie news is there is official confirmation that uh, there's going to be an Ant-Man. Thor 2, uh, Captain America, which I just talked about. Iron Man 3 is going to be coming out along with Guardians of the Galaxy. That was all revealed at Comic-Con. There was also Iron Man 3 footage. uh, And it was a lot of great response to that. And then most of all at Comic-Con was the Man of Steel teaser trailer and poster. Which, of course, is going to be attached to The Dark Knight Rises. uh, Which, you know, I kind of predicted when Jason was on for Batman and Robin. I said, you know, the smartest thing Warner Brothers can do is attach the Man of Steel trailer to the Dark Knight Rises, and uh, sure enough, they did. So hey, uh, they must have been listening to the podcast and say, "Hey, look, Masuna says we should add it to the Dark Knight Rises. Why not?" Of course, I'm just kidding, but it's just really cool, though. I'm very excited. It's the perfect way to do this, and you know, just like Jason and me were saying, this movie has to work. Uh, it, if it doesn't, we're screwed. We're not going to see Superman ever again. But uh, I have heard fantastic reception from this trailer and the footage and everything else so uh, the positive vibe is definitely flowing more and more and more so I'm very very uh, very very excited to see it uh, come up so that's what I got for movie news let's get into some quick music news now in music news uh, one of uh, there's an old school band by the name of Sixpence None the Richer and, uh, and Sixpence None the Richer was uh, pretty much uh, kind of an old school Christian rock band and then they, they pretty much made it really big because they had this one song called Kiss Me, 
And you heard it in this movie called She's All That, which had Freddie Prince Jr. in there and Rachel Lee Cook. It was a humongous hit. And it essentially broke Sixpence into the mainstream. And uh, they've had a lot of really good songs that have come out, a lot of radio play, mostly uh, in like the, the light rock kind of area. But Kiss Me was like all over the place. I mean, it's been parodied like crazy. Uh, but they're coming out with a new album. The name of the album is going to be called Lost in Transition. Uh, it's an emotional return for the band. And uh, perhaps no song strikes a chord deeper to them than uh, Sooner Than Later, which if you uh, go over to Billboard.com, they have uh, an exclusive first listen to this song. Sounds like it's uh, pretty powerful, and uh, and I'm excited. I like this band. It's good stuff. They've been gone for quite a while, kind of like No Doubt. Uh, no Doubt finally uh, reunited, and uh, you know we're finally getting some bands back that's been gone for a while and reuniting, so it's some good stuff. Oh, and uh, I did forget to mention in, in the movie news section, uh, you know, with all the Expendables 2 previews coming out everywhere, it's been very exciting. However, though, uh, Sylvester Stallone just lost his son, um, Sage Stallone, which, uh, which is unfortunate. And you've probably seen him uh, in the two movies he was in. He was in Rocky Five. Uh, with his dad playing his son and then he was also in daylight and it's unfortunate I, I they don't know the the cause of death at this moment in time uh, it's unfortunate of course he's asking for you know privacy and prayers and everything like that and it's very unfortunate uh, my heart goes out to Sylvester Stallone especially uh, you know losing losing a, a child is such a horrible thing and uh, so who knows how how things are gonna work out for him but, uh, but yeah I just I forgot to mention that earlier uh, but again, it's you know it's depressing news. But uh, let's uh, you know let's keep that all in our thoughts because uh, I'm sure he's going through a rough time, and it's such an unfortunate thing. And uh, when we when we lose such you know when we lose children, you know we're supposed to lose parents before the children. So it's just just a horrible thing. But uh, that's all I got to say, guys, for movie and music news. Uh, I don't really have anything for TV for you. Uh, let's just get into the review of uh, the Dark Knight. and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So what are you proposing? It's simple. Kill the Batman. <laughs> Here's my card. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not. You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Bruce, don't make me your only hope for a normal life. You're Alfred, right? That's right, sir. Any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should be aware of? Oh, you have no idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. You look nervous. I've seen now what I have to become to stop men like him. The night is darkest just before the dawn. I promise you, the dawn is coming. And here we go. Come on. 
This city deserves a better class of criminal. I'm gonna give it to him. No! <laughs> You'll see. I'll show you. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. in the back putzer in the middle of the day alfred not very subtle the lamborghini then much more subtle all right the dark knight time now uh this movie's considered to be the greatest superhero film of all time which you know i can't argue with that you know i gave in the last episode i gave all my love of batman begins and i said that i loved it uh more than this film however uh, and of course, it's not that I, I don't like this film at all. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's just Batman Begins wins by just a little bit. I mean, it's not like uh, Batman Begins wins by a mile or like The Dark Knight just completely sucks. It's just that, you know, my my initial reaction, you know, of seeing this film is just a shock. You know, I was I was in a theater and I walked out just thinking that uh, it was so depressing and everybody almost died. It's like it's one of those movies that was so uh, mesmerizing, but uh, you felt like every every 10 minutes somebody was going to die, you know. So I walked out of there saying, yeah, it's better than Batman Begins. And then I really had to think about it. And really, it was more of uh, if I want to be depressed today, I'll put in The Dark Knight. And if I want to have a good, fun time, I'm going to throw in Batman Begins. Now, uh, rewatching it today, I actually did laugh a little bit more than I normally do. And that's not saying that this movie is a comedy because it's far from a comedy in any way, shape, or form. I mean, this movie is simply a crime drama that just happens to have Batman and the Joker in it. But uh, I, I kind of let go a little bit and just uh, kind of went along with the Joker jokes, you know, as, as bad as they were. And when I mean bad, not as in they suck. It was as you shouldn't laugh at this. You know, for example, let me show you my magic trick. And he sticks a dude's head through a pencil. You know, things that you shouldn't laugh at are kind of the things I was laughing at today. I guess I just was having a sixth sense of humor, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, I really, really love this movie. I mean, it's no doubt about it. I've told you in the past that this is a five-star film so i mean we don't even need to worry about well what's your rating for this mike it's five stars i've already told you guys that a long long time ago however uh, i'm going to be talking about this film about what's really great about it and and why do i'm not really going to get too much into why i love batman begins over this because i kind of did in the last episode overall though this is just a completely different feel than batman begins you know that's the cool thing with the christopher nolan trilogy is that it's a trilogy but each movie is its own thing in a way you know batman begins could be a standalone movie the dark knight could be a standalone movie and i'm sure the dark knight rises could be a standalone movie you know which is pretty flipping awesome but at the same time it's a trilogy it's like watching back to the future and not putting on part two and part three you know, if part two comes on, you immediately got to watch part three. So, I mean, it works It works hand in hand. Just like Back to the Future is its own film. When you see the to be continued, you know you got to flip on part two. It kind of works the same way here. So, uh, needless to say, this film came out in 2008. I mean, this movie became like the second biggest movie of all time. Number one was like uh, Titanic. And number two... Uh, was uh, the Dark Knight, and then of course Avatar came, and or maybe Avatar 
I think at that point, Avatar was the number one film of all time, and then The Dark Knight. Uh, it was either like number two or number three. But, I mean, it obviously was humongous. And here's the thing with The Dark Knight that we're never, ever going to know. This film, in my eyes, I've always looked at as like The Crow. You know, The Crow was such a successful, huge movie, uh, a.k.a. a cult film. And the thing was is that it was Brandon Lee's last film. Everybody wanted to see it because they knew it was Brandon Lee's last film. So here's the thing. Would The Dark Knight have been as big as it was if Heath Ledger had never died? I really wonder that. We'll never know that. I mean, of course, if I could take it all back, uh, you know, if I could change things, would I want Heath Ledger to die? Of course not. You know, I mean, I love Heath Ledger. The first movie I ever saw him in was 10 Things I Hate About You. Now, most would probably consider that to be a chick flick, which is fine. You know, it's got Heath Ledger in it. It's got uh, uh, Julia Stiles in it. It's got a very young uh, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, which is pretty awesome. And uh, and it's really good. It's a good teenage flick. It's got great music. And uh, and Heath Ledger was such a badass in that movie. And then he became such a, a very sensitive, cool guy. And, uh, and I, I absolutely fell in love with Heath Ledger when I saw that movie. So immediately, you know, I, I saw Knight's Tale, which was kind of a, kind of a jokey uh, night, night movie, but it was really good. And then there was this real uh, crazy, uh, like, demonic movie that he was in that I was like, oh, this movie totally sucks. I didn't really like it. But, you know, in Monster's Ball, I know about Monster's Ball. I've seen part of it. But, uh, you know, I know that he was in there and then broke back, broke back Mountain. And I've never gotten a chance to see. But I've heard phenomenal things about him. So I've always known he was going to be, you know, a great actor. Now, when I heard he was going to be the Joker, just like everybody else, you're just like, what? Heath Ledger's going to be the Joker? But the moment that they released that picture, and I'll never forget it. It's the one where it's a close-up on his face, and he's kind of got his lips closed. And it's got that close-up of those scars, and it just it was so creepy looking because it looked like he just had blood all over his face. It was just real nasty. And the moment I saw that picture, I was instantly sold, and I said, you know what? Whatever they do, it's going to be flipping awesome. I, I showed it to, to my wife, and she immediately just like, oh, my gosh, that's so scary. I'm like, I think that's what they're going for. So, I mean, it just obviously you guys know how amazing Heath Ledger was. There's nothing I can say that hasn't been said before. But the thing that I've always thought about with this film is what would it have been like had he not died? Would this film have been as humongous as it was? I think it's probably about a 90% chance that it would have. But again, we're never going to know. And I guess it, it it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's flipping awesome that, you know, he got an Academy Award uh, for for supporting actor. And the cool thing is this movie really changed things with the Academy because a lot of people feel that this movie was snubbed for a Best Picture Award, which is why they've extended in the Oscars in regards to... Um, you know, in regards to how many movies can now be nominated for Best Picture. And originally it was actually, uh, it received eight Academy Award nominations. It won an award for Best Sound Editing, uh, and Ledger won the, you know, the award for Best Supporting Actor, which of course was the, was the award, uh, when an actor is dead, which I think he was the second or third person to ever do that. So, I mean, it's flipping awesome. 
the movie is fantastic. It's excellent. Um, there's a lot of things that I notice now, and that's the one thing this movie rewards you of is re- repeat viewings. The more you watch this, the more stuff you you realize that you never seen before, or you catch little little tiny things that just make things so much better. So let's start with uh, with the basics here. So the movie came out in 2008. Uh, everybody from Batman Begins has returned except for Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes was pretty much in her locked jail cell with Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise was jealous because Katie Holmes got to kiss Christian Bale. He didn't want her kissing Christian Bale anymore. So he decided that he didn't want her to be in the film. Is that true? I have no idea. I'm just making that up. But chances are it's probably true. I mean, look what's going on in real life. They're getting a divorce. So... Who knows it could happen. You know, it could have happened. I'm just saying. That's probably the real reason why she didn't come back. Now, I said I didn't have a humongous problem with her. However, Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think she did a fantastic job as the replacement for Rachel. Uh, good times. Now, I do think Katie Holmes uh, physically, you know, is cuter than Maggie Gyllenhaal. I mean, Maggie Gyllenhaal is not ugly in any way, shape, or form. I just find Katie Holmes to be more cuter than uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. However, Maggie has a more maturity about her, which is awesome. And I think she did a fantastic job. And she was an excellent replacement. And uh, and I didn't have any problems with the recasting. And the funny thing about this film, you know, I, I mentioned in the Batman Begins review that uh batman was always or bruce wayne was the main focus of the film and uh, you didn't even care if he put on the bat suit because you cared about bruce wayne and the villains i mean the villains don't even show up for like the first hour and a half and in this movie we still have batman all over the place but the focus of the film is actually on harvey dent which is shocking that you know the main hero of the film uh, I mean, this is really a Harvey Dent film is what it is. I mean, you care just as much for Harvey Dent as you do Bruce Wayne in this film. And then they immediately, you know, pull the carpet under you and you're just like when he becomes Two-Face, it's like, no, no, you actually had uh, such an emotional attachment to Harvey Dent. So, I mean, it was flipping genius. I, I loved it. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's amazing how it's such a, a Harvey Dent film, but it has to be though. If it's not a Harvey Dent film, you're not going to understand what a dark night means. I mean, the white knight has to be the focus of the film. So by the time you realize, oh, Batman's the dark knight, you know, he's the one that can be in the shadows and, uh, and it makes sense why it's called the dark knight rises for the next one, because the first movie is the hero begins. The second movie is the hero falls. And the third movie is The Hero Rises. So it's flipping amazing, excellent. Uh, I love the fact of that uh, they took such a great twist and it's balanced perfectly between your White Knight Harvey and your, uh, and your main hero Batman. All right, so let's get into the basic plot of this film because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens, but somehow it's all cohesive and it's not confusing. So the movie starts off and we have the Joker and his accomplices. They're robbing this this mob-owned bank, and after he orchestras all their deaths, he's able to escape alone, which I mean, of course, is just genius. So Batman and, and Lieutenant Jim Gordon, because he's not commissioner. Uh, they decide that they want to include the new district attorney, which is Harvey Dent, who's played by Aaron Eckhart, which this guy's – I've always enjoyed Aaron Eckhart. He's flipping awesome, and which, of course, he's dating Rachel. Now, their plan is to tackle the uh, the mob, and Bruce actually offers 
uh, Harvey Dent a fundraiser. Now there's this mob boss Sal Maroni, which is played by uh, Eric Roberts, which I flip and love Eric Roberts. There's this other guy called Gamble. Uh, they actually are informed by uh, this uh, Chinese accountant that uh, they have uh, that he's hidden their funds and he fled to Hong Kong to escape uh, the new pressure from the police. Now the Joker comes in, interrupts the meeting that they're having, warning them that Batman has no jurisdiction because you know in Hong Kong you can't extradite their you know they can't extradite they don't extradite their own so that's why this guy thought he was safe in Hong Kong but Joker tells him hey Batman he has no jurisdiction so he can go get this guy now of course they refuse when the Joker offers to kill Batman for half of their money and uh, Gamble which is played by Spawn uh, which is awesome Michael uh, Michael White because uh, I don't know his middle name and uh, he uh, he actually puts a bounty uh, on the Joker. Now, the Joker eventually kills Gamble and takes control of all of his men. And Batman captures uh, Lou, um, I believe is his name in the film. They, they say it so fast. But uh, Batman, of course, delivers him back to Gotham. And he agrees that he's going to testify. Uh, so things that that's kind of the, how it starts off. Everything seems nice, cool, calm, and collective. Well... The Joker issues an ultimatum that people will die every single day unless Batman reveals his identity. Now, uh, this results in actually killing the current commissioner, uh, which was Jillian Loeb, and the judge of the mob trials because at one point uh, they got all the mob arrested. So the judge of that got, got blown up. And then the Joker targets Dent at this fundraiser, uh, but Bruce actually hides him. Which, uh, when, when Bruce hides him, it's actually a really awesome scene. Uh, but uh, Rachel uh, gets looked over or looked after by Alfred. Now, the Joker tries to assassinate uh, Mary Garcia uh, during uh, Loeb's memor- uh, memorial service. Uh, but Gordon takes a bullet and then he dies. And you're just like, what the hell? How can Commissioner Gordon die? He's not even a commissioner yet. So, I mean, it was a total complete like slap in the face baseball bat crack across your head i mean it was just mind-blowing my, my my jaw was just in the theater just wide open i was like i can't believe they just killed commissioner gordon so bruce plans to reveal his identity because he's got enough blood on his hand and uh, dent instead names himself as batman because he wants to protect the truth uh and he wants to have batman stand up for what he knows is right so Dent actually gets taken into protective custody and uh, he gets pursued by the Joker across the city. But, you know, uh, Harvey Dent knew that Batman would come and rescue him. And which, of course, he does. He comes and rescues him. And then at one point, you realize that Gordon's actually alive. Uh, he faked his death so that way his family wouldn't get killed and uh, apprehends the Joker. And because he does that, he gets promoted to commissioner. So that's how he becomes Commissioner Gordon that we know today. Now, this is where things start to get really, really crazy. Uh, Dent and Rachel, they just disappear. And uh, Batman confronts the Joker, and he learns uh, through this awesome, excellent scene that the Joker separated each of them in a building filled with explosives. Batman's got to choose which one. Only one of them's going to live. And uh, it's just, uh, it's completely messed up, which I'll get into in just a little bit. But Batman actually finds Dent right before the building explodes. Rachel dies. 
And uh, of course, Harvey actually gets half of his face burnt off uh, because of the fact of he fell in a bunch of uh, the, the gasoline. But it's done so well, uh, not like the Batman Forever kind of crap. Uh, and then the Joker uses a bomb to escape from the police uh, department. Uh, so then uh, we have Coleman Reese, who's uh, an accountant at uh, Wayne Enterprises. I mean, this guy's a complete tool. He realizes that Bruce is Batman because he was doing some background crap and found blueprints to uh, the Tumblr. And he wants to blackmail Batman. But of course, Lucius Fox, as awesome as he is, tells him, dude, you want to blackmail the guy that kicks the living crap out of people with his bare hands? Go ahead. I mean, it's an excellent scene. Now, uh, the Joker actually kills uh, Lou. Uh, that's the guy that's uh, the Chinese guy. Uh, and he also kills uh, the, the Cretchen. And uh, he threatens to bomb this hospital unless, well, I shouldn't say this particular hospital. He threatens to bomb a hospital uh, unless Reese actually gets killed. So, you know, the Gordon sends all the cops to all the different hospitals, but he knows the main one uh, is, is Gotham General. Now, uh, Gordon uh, attempts to rescue Reese while the Joker visits Stenton Hospital, and he convinces him to get revenge. Uh, it's a very interesting scene, which, again, I'll talk about in just a minute here. But uh, Dent uses his, uh, he's got this coin, as we know of, from, you know, Batman Forever. However, this time, because of the explosion, uh, and he got it back because uh, Rachel had it when she blew up and Batman found it at the scene and then gave it back to Harvey uh, when he was visiting him to tell him he was sorry. Uh, the One side of the coin is actually burned now and uh, he decides the fate of those responsible for Rachel's death, uh, which he kills some of the corrupt cops and then mobsters involved. Because the good, the non-burned side means you live and then the dark side means you die. Which, you know, of course, makes perfect sense. Now, uh, what happens is is um, the Joker, uh, you know, blows up the hospital. Um, and then, uh, of course, everybody kind of gets evacuated and he escapes, uh, you know, he escapes with a bunch of hostages. Now, the Joker gives uh, two explosive uh, there, there's these fairies there's two of them one of them has citizens on there and the other one is uh inmates that uh you know part of the mob that harvey Dent put away so the joker gives each one of the fairies the ex the 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 detonator if you will and they originally they think well why would he, why would we get a detonator to our own boat but then they realize hey we have you know the detonator to the other boat and you have 15 minutes to kill the other person and the one that kills you know the other one gets to go away free i mean it's an excellent it's it's a remarkable probably the greatest scene ever that we'll talk about in just a minute uh but uh they have until midnight otherwise they're both going to explode so batman does something very interesting he um he asked lucius fox to use the citywide tracking device uh, to find the Joker. He used a bunch of cell phones to kind of create a... I shouldn't say really him. It was more Lucius came up with the idea of turning a cell phone into like a sonar, like bat uh, type of vision. But instead, Bruce used thousands of cell phones to create the citywide tracking device. And then of course, Fox agrees, but he says that he's going to resign immediately afterwards. Which right then and there in the theater, I start crying because I'm like, "What? I'm gonna I'm gonna lose Lucius? How can I lose Lucius? I mean, Lucius is one of my favorite characters. So I mean, I was like, I mean, I wasn't balling, but there was a tear going down my eye when he said that he was quitting. I mean, it completely oh devastated me. 
But uh, in uh, but in the end, though, uh, Batman he rescues the hostages who are disguised as the Joker's gang, and then he fights off the Joker's real men and uh, and also Gordon's SWAT team that are that are in there. Now the f- uh, the ferry at the time, the passengers, you know, they're refusing. Uh, you know, they don't know what to do and they're all saying, let's kill him, let's kill him, let's kill him. But they actually refuse to kill each other and uh, and they get saved because of the fact of they didn't kill each other and Joker was kind of surprised. And uh, Batman eventually apprehends the Joker. Uh, and then, of course, the Joker, he gloats that he won, which he did. I mean, this is one of this is probably the only movie where a hero actually loses. I mean, name another superhero film where your main star of the film loses you know and that's really another shocking twist in this film the joker gloats that he won because um as the citizens of gotham they lose hope because once they find out what harvey did and he went on a rampage it loses every all the trust and all the hope that he built up so batman uh he goes to find dent uh, as the Joker gets taken into uh, into custody, which is awesome because you're like, hey, the Joker lives. He doesn't die, which uh, I'm a little bit curious here. If Heath Ledger had lived, would they would have used the Joker in part three? I mean, granted, Christopher Nolan makes these movies one at a time. He doesn't really think about the sequel, but we'll never know. Really, would he have used them again? It's hard to say. It really is. Uh, but we get to like the last 10 minutes of the film. Gets really, really crazy at this point. Uh, Dent lures Gordon to this building where Rachel, the building where Rachel died, and he's holding his family hostage. Now Batman, you know, of course, confronts him. Now Dent judges the fate of everybody, uh, Batman himself and Gordon and his son, by flipping the coin. Uh, first, of course, he he takes out Batman. You know, he shoots him, and then he's gonna take out himself. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it, it wasn't the the bad side. So then he puts it on Gordon's boy. And then, uh, and of course, Gordon, you know, is requesting to, to spare, you know, to spare his boy's life and just take him instead. Now, uh, uh, just when you think he's going to pull the trigger, Batman comes and uh, takes out takes out both of them. You know, that they're on this humongous high ledge and, and you see that uh, that Batman's holding the kid. And Batman, of course, wearing the body armor, uh, he's able to fall off the building and uh, and he doesn't die, but of course Harvey Dent does die because he wasn't wearing any armor. And supposedly, per Christopher Nolan, he broke his neck. So then, of course, you know, Batman convinces Gordon to hold him publicly responsible for the murder, so that way Dent will remain the symbol of hope for the city that he's been working on this whole entire movie. And then, of course, we get a manhunt that goes after Batman. Uh, he escapes on the Batpod. And then we see Alfred, he's burning this letter which Rachel had given him earlier, just stating that uh, she loves him but only as a friend and she wants to marry Harvey. So it's going to be like, oh my gosh, is, is Alfred going to talk about that in The Dark Knight Rises? And then uh, Fox watches, uh, you know, he types in his name. Uh, that signal st- starts to self-destruct and you're like, okay, is he staying or is he going? Which obviously he stays as we know from the previews, but... Uh, and then Gordon destroys the bad signal, and then we see uh, the first scene of the trailer that had came out is actually the last scene of the film, which is kind of funny. I think Christopher Nolan has purposely put the very last scene of the film in the trailers, so at some point in the Dark Knight Rises trailer, we've seen the last shot of the film. It's just hard to say. A lot of people have speculated the scene where Batman is on top of uh, the building looking out 
to Gotham is the last scene in the film? It's hard to say. I mean, if this is really the ending, uh, you would think that uh, it's going to be, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, saying goodbye to the Batman, you know. So we'll see. But that's essentially it. I mean, when it ended, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's how you're going to end the film. I'm like, that, that was so awesome. I, I never at the, at the same time felt so much emotion where I was like, that was so flipping awesome. And I was so pissed off at the same time. Because I'm like, how, how does it end? You know, what happens? When are we going to get a sequel? You know? So I, I had such mixed emotions on this film, which I didn't have on Batman Begins, which is probably another reason why I love that over this film, because I don't get those kind of, you know, pissed off emotions uh, when I watch the ending of the film. But it makes perfect sense. You know, it's just like Back to the Future 2. You get a humongous cliffhanger on the end of Back to the Future 2. So, it, you know, and everything, of course, gets resolved in Back to the Future 3. So it makes perfect sense. You know, this is the middle act of the story. The middle act of the story has to fall apart. You know, it makes perfect sense now. Uh, back then, I don't think it made a lot of sense to people why the film ended this way and why it made people mad. Now it's perfect. It's like, yeah, you got to have a crappy second half because our heroes got to fall so we can see him rise again. It makes perfect sense. So, uh, so that's essentially what happens in the film. Now let's talk about the things that, that I just totally love in this film. Alright, so uh, the logo. Just like in Batman Begins, we have the thousands of bats making the Batman Begins logo. This time, we have the logo, but it's in black smoke. Uh, sort of like a bluish smoke, and it comes at the screen, and then it just disappears, and there's no noise or nothing. So, if I mean, you can miss it instantly. Uh, but essentially, that's the logo that we had seen in all the trailers and everything, the, the logo for the Dark Knight, which was really cool. Uh, it was a nice effect. And then, of course, we jump right into the IMAX scene. You know, just in the prologue, they showed you the, the opening bank scene. And this is filmed in IMAX, so, I mean, it gets flipping gigantic, especially if you're watching it on your Blu-ray. You'll see that the screen immediately gets a much bigger uh takes up more of your TV when it's IMAX versus when it's just the regular Blu-ray. It's just your standard widescreen. So, uh, I mean, of course, it looks fantastic. Now, uh, the guy behind the desk, uh, I really enjoy this guy. <laughs> I don't really know his name, but uh, the movie that I, I saw him in, of course, is Armageddon. Uh, he was the, the guy that uh, was going to cut the wire. Uh, well, he's the one that had to cut the wires with Bruce Willis to deactivate the bomb. And then uh, I recently saw him in, like, Ultraviolet. He was in Drive Angry. Uh, he's the guy that goes after Nicolas Cage. So this guy's in a lot of stuff. He's usually just uh, just a regular, you know, guy in the background kind of dude. But, but you know, he has a small role, not too much. Just kind of sits behind the desk, shoots the gun, says, you know who you're stealing from. It was just really cool seeing him. You know, Anthony Michael Hall I knew was going to be in this film. I didn't know what kind of character or who he was going to play. And I was really big into the dead zone at that point in time. So it's just really cool to get these, uh, you know, these actors that you know that are just kind of playing some random smaller parts, which, I mean, I, I really like it. It's cool stuff. Now, I like the dudes that are just killing each other. I mean, it immediately tells you that the Joker is a smart guy to be able to pull this off. And then, of course, when he takes off his mask and you're just like, what doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Uh, man, it's just immediately you're just like, this is a totally different Joker than we had in Batman 89. And I'm cool with it. Now, of course, the Scarecrow cameo was flipping great because we knew that the Scarecrow lived at uh, the end of Batman Begins because, you know, I mentioned before, 
Christopher Nolan doesn't kill off the bad guys. Now, of course, Cillian Murphy isn't in this too much, just long enough for you to realize, hey, it's the Scarecrow from the last movie, and uh, we get a bunch of fake Batmans, and I like when he's like, that's not him, and then when the Tumblr shows up, he's like, uh, that's more like it. You know, it's pretty cool just to see the little cameo, and the cool thing is, is uh, when Batman does show up, Here's the thing. You know, in the last episode, I talked about how much I love the Batman Begins outfit. I said that I I actually love it. I think I like it better than the Dark Knight outfit. Well, I think they purposely made the Dark Knight, like the Batman Begins suit, fatter because for some reason it doesn't look right. You know, I'm, I know it's probably made out of latex or whatever, but seriously, it's like they purposely made this suit look bad that when the Dark Knight suit shows up you're like oh that looks so much better which it would look better but uh i seriously don't think it's uh, i know it's designed to look exactly like the batman begins suit but it just the face looks wrong uh the it just looks fat it just doesn't look like the 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 slickness of the batman begins suit it just looks wrong i don't know what it is so of course now when i see him in his dark knight suit i'm like okay he looks flipping awesome i like that suit better than the batman begins suit so i don't know what happened but when he shows up and he's in that suit and then he's talking to gordon later uh you know about if we who we can trust about the money and everything it just doesn't look right so yeah you guys will have to let me know if you thought that the suit just didn't really look like the batman begins suit but you know of course uh i definitely like it you know i love the suit uh in batman in the dark knight i think it looks great i'm glad that they're keeping the dark knight suit the same as they are in the dark knight rises i think it's awesome so i don't have any problems with that now i love when uh batman's uh you know when scarecrow's getting away and he just uh gets on top of that railing perfectly times it jumps and lands right on top of the van it was in the trailer but uh, it just looks so much cooler and sweeter when you watch it in the film it's just i love that scene it's a very it's a very excellent visual shot now a good old michael kane alfred is spectacular as ever in this film i mean i think he actually has more to say in this film than he did the last one i like it when uh you know he sees bruce uh, and he just says, you know, know your limits, Mr. Wayne. And uh, I like him when he's st- when he's stitching him up and he's like, uh, did you get mauled by a tiger? He goes, big dog, you know, and it's just funny uh, just to see the, the jokes coming out of uh, of Alfred, you know, just as much as Lucius Fox has. I mean, those two are, are obviously the most comedic uh, comic relief of the Batman of the Nolan films. And they're just perfect. They're perfectly balanced to be super serious, but can also throw in a really great joke and just make a smile. So I really like when he's like, did you get mauled by a tiger? And he looks very serious when he says that as well. So then we get to Rachel, and uh, Rachel is kind of a different character in this film. I mean, she's more mature. Uh, I mean, obviously, she's played by a different actress. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal does it well. I think she's definitely portraying uh, Rachel in a more, you know, she, within how many years this takes place after Batman Begins, I think it's only maybe a year or so afterwards, maybe a couple months, but she seems to have matured quite a bit than she did in the last film, and I'm cool with that. You know, character development, I'm all for it, and uh, I think she has uh, good chemistry with both 
Uh, Bruce Wayne and with uh, Harvey Dent, Aaron Eckhart, and Christian Bale. I think she did a, a fantastic job. And uh, when I was completely devastated when she blew up, I just was like, man, I cried. I literally cried when that happened. I was like, no, seriously. A lot of people don't like the Rachel character, but for me, uh, she had emotional, you know, emotional tug, and uh, it was just, it was heartbreaking when she flipped and died. But she had to, man, in order to tell this story, she had to die. Now, Eric Roberts. Oh, man, I love Eric Roberts. I've been a big fan of Eric Roberts ever since the Best of the Best series. I love Best of the Best 1 and I love Best of the Best 2. It's one of my favorite martial arts films of all time, uh, especially Part 2. Part 2 is flipping amazing. I will definitely review those films at one point in time. Uh, So seeing him as a bad guy, which he plays an excellent bad guy. He is fantastic as a bad guy. Uh, absolutely amazing. I love Eric Roberts. It's funny enough, I had no idea he really was Julia Roberts' brother. Uh, and it's funny, this movie opened up the same day as uh, Julia Roberts' film. And uh, and there was kind of a joke on, uh, I think it was The Tonight Show or David Letterman about, hey, you think your brother's going to outdo you in the box office? It was kind of kind of a funny joke but i love uh, i love eric roberts he does a fantastic job as the new uh you know cr- you know falcone if you will uh you know playing sal uh he's really great the courtroom scene was really good especially when you get introduced to, to harvey aaron eckhart you know i've been a big fan of aaron eckhart i think the first movie i saw him in was aaron brockovich and then in the core with hillary swank was a really excellent film where they have to get to like the center of the earth's crust and oh fantastic film i love it and uh, and and Aaron Eckhart's a great guy, man. I, I enjoy everything he's in, and uh, he was flawless as Harvey Dent. He played Harvey Dent perfectly, one hundred percent. I couldn't. Uh, it was just, you know, I was hoping that we'd have Joker in part two and Two Face in part three, but that's not the way it played out. Which which is fine, you know. I have no problem with with Bane or anything in the in the new movie, but that's kind of how I thought the flow was going to go. Joker in number two. And uh, Two-Face in number three. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. And it worked perfectly uh, by just giving him the perfect amount of time to be what he needed to be. He was excellent as uh, as District Attorney Harvey Dent. You liked him. I mean, he, he, had, he stood for, uh, you know, what he believed in. He had values. He was just a very likable guy in this film. He, I mean, he had to sell this film. He really did. He really, I mean, if you didn't like Harvey Dent, this movie would have failed. I mean, without uh, without Aaron Eckhart being as great as he was in this role, this movie would, would have not been very good. I mean, you have to be honest. This is really a Harvey Dent film. The film, all the story and, and all the stuff that happens is all because of him. And uh, really, I mean, in order to tell the story of a dark knight, you got to portray the white knight. And uh, and Aaron Eckhart just did a fantastic job. And, of course, he followed the rule of the coin perfectly. You know, one flip and that's it. Now, of course, I'll get into that where it kind of kind of doesn't follow that rule but if for the scene it works logically versus uh in the other film and that other film was uh batman forever of course 
And uh, when you first see Harvey, you know he's in court and he's like, sorry, I'm late. And uh, then he goes up to the dude and he gets a, a gun at him and he just he punches the guy out and he tells Sal that, you know, you want to kill somebody, make sure you buy in America. And it was just such a great scene, man, of you seen a lawyer kick some serious ass. So it was excellent, good times. So I really enjoy the first scene we get of Harvey Dent and some good times. Now, of course, there's the, you know, scene where Harvey is, where Gordon is talking to Harvey about, uh, you know, we all know that you're Gotham's white knight. You know, it's a little nudge to the audience to let you know to, hey, pay attention. Uh, you know, this is the, this is going to be your hero of the film. This is uh, the person you need to pay attention to, which, of course, our hero becomes a villain at the end, uh, which makes the perfect line of, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So, I mean, that, that line pretty much sums up uh, what really happens with the Harvey Dent character. But uh, it's great stuff. When we get to Lucius Fox excellent times i mean we see bruce wayne just kind of sleep in there but i mean lucius is just as cocky as ever but he is super um uh, he's super cool is you know he's able to be cocky but in a very respectful way because he just knows himself he's very confident in himself and that's why everybody just loves lucius you know He's like, you know, the cue to James Bond. He's just he's just a great character and he's just super fun. And the best part about Lucius is that I absolutely love that really resonates in this film. Lucius always plays it off like he doesn't know Bruce is Batman when he clearly knows Bruce is Batman. You know, for example, Bruce would be like, I need a new suit. He goes, oh, you know, you can get a new tie. You know, he starts talking about his tie and he's like, oh, you want to turn your head, you know, and then uh, he'll be when Bruce is like, Oh, so it's sonar like, uh, you know, and then, of course, he won't let him say bad. He'll say like a submarine, Mr. Wayne, like a submarine. It's like he never flat out comes out and says, you're Batman and I'm working with Batman. Obviously, at the end of the film, uh, they're working together. Clearly, he know. I mean, it's just it's a funny and great relationship. I just love the whole Lucius attitude towards Bruce about ne- since Batman begins, never Flat out admitting, hey, I know you're Batman, but I'm making all this Batman stuff for you. It's just great. I love it. It's fantastic. So Morgan Freeman, I mean, the guy does no wrong, period. Uh, I've always loved Morgan Freeman, but in this movie, he just really comes off perfectly, especially with that whole, you know, like a submarine, Mr. Wayne, like a submarine. You know, it's just, oh, he's just so excellent. Now, of course, uh, I love the line just like the one that's in the trailer, uh, you know, when Rachel is introducing Bruce to Harvey and uh, Harvey says, you know, she's told me everything about you. And he's like, I certainly hope not. You know, I love it. Bruce is just like he was in the last one, probably even more of a playboy, uh, arrogant douchebag, uh, you know, the, the the persona that he has to play, you know, just by having the, the girl with him and just being all cocky and stuff. And then the cool thing is he's just doing a spy game, you know, just pretending to be, you know, the jerk and then just listening to what Harvey has to say and seeing that, hey, Harvey believes in everything Batman does and that, hey, this is my ticket out. This guy is the guy that i've been waiting to come along this is the guy i want to be i want to be the white knight which is you know i honestly think that the dark knight rises man bruce wayne is going to be the white knight at the end of this film guys i think that batman he's going to be able to give up batman and he's going to be the face that uh you know obviously gotham you know 
must know who Bruce Wayne is or uh, by the end of it you see Bruce Wayne with the army of the cops because we all know the cops are after Batman so at some point in the film things have to happen to where they trust Batman so I think maybe everybody will know that Bruce Wayne is Batman but they're like hey Bruce we need you to go put on your Batman suit and go help us out it's like Bruce can be the uh, the Harvey Dent you know that he's always wanted to be uh, he's able to inspire the people you know that's what he said I, I, I'm doing this to inspire and bring justice and balance you know so I don't know man I think that's the perfect way you can end the Dark Knight Rises is just by having Bruce give up Batman and just being the white knight of Gotham City man it'd be perfect if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen I'm gonna take whatever I get but that's just kind of my thought of how it could play out you know just based on this second film you know so I just love how Bruce is just able to sit there and just exist Examine him and be like, yeah, this guy, this is the guy I need to take over my spot. All right, so let's talk about Spawn. Man, I Spawn is such a horrible film, but I mean, it's definitely a guilty pleasure. But it's so cool to see Spawn, Michael J. White, uh, back in action. You know, I saw him uh, in Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal, but uh, you know, he plays, uh, you know, the uh, the gang leader Gamble, and he's just so funny. I love it when Joker walks in. And he's like. Tell me one reason why I shouldn't have my boy rip your head off. I mean, he just says it's so nonchalant and it's awesome. And then, of course, you know, Joker does the, you know, let me show you a magic trick, you know, and then bam and just, oh, so good. And he's like, uh, you know, Joker's like, what, what happened? Did your balls drop off? And he's like, you know, you just let Batman take over. And he's just, he was great. Uh, he wasn't in the film too long, but he was great. I, I loved every second of him. That whole scene where Joker first comes in is just amazing. Uh, like I said, I mean, Joker, there's nothing I can say that, about Heath Ledger that hasn't been said before. I mean, he's he was born to play this role, obviously. Uh, you know, it's a horrible, tragic accident. But for me, you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker as as Brandon Lee is the Crow. They were born to play the role, and unfortunately, they died uh, playing the role. So, I mean, he's completely lost into the character where uh, I've seen the film, I don't know, 10, 15 times, and I and I still don't see Heath Ledger. I still can't see him. He's just so lost into that character. You just don't see him. It's just so amazing. So, excellent. Uh, not Like I said, everything's been said that can be said. It's, he's phenomenal so moving on let's move on to other stuff and uh, I think my favorite line from, from Spawn uh, as I'm going to call him is when he's like you think you can steal from us and just walk away and Joker's like yeah it's just oh it was so subtle and just priceless so uh, I love their confrontation together and of course you know he tells them the Scar story I like that Joker doesn't have an origin story he comes up with three different stories for his Scars in the film and it's just good stuff man I like it it's uh, very very intriguing and mysterious and I love how we don't get a Joker origin we just jump right into it it's good stuff now of course we get to Lucius and uh, you know and, and Bruce talking about how they're going to get to Hong Kong and Bruce is trying to ask Lucius about, well, uh, I how do I get picked up? And then Lucius says, you know, by your local travel agent, he goes without it landing. And he just smiles and looks at him and is like, now that's more like it, Mr. Wayne. I love that scene. Excellent stuff. And and the best line, though, is when uh, he talks about how his new suit is, you know, he's explaining his new suit, but explains that due to uh, some of the spaces in the armor, uh, it could be more subjective to bullets and knives. Uh, 
and then he talks about you know big dogs and he goes well it should do fine against cats and then it just cuts away i mean the humor in this movie uh is very good it's not in it very much again this film is very depressing but man the humor is just spot on perfect I absolutely love it. It's amazing. So flippin' good. I mean, it's even better than the humor in Batman Begins. Now, when Joker does his Why So Serious, you know, that that's some scary stuff, man. He just gets so crazy when he's just like, Why So Serious? You know, it's just his voice goes from one way to the complete psychopathic other. And it's scary, man. The way he says it is just, you know, there's some times where it's like you're almost in a horror movie. You know, when he's, uh, for, there'll be a scene where he's doing the Gotham City uh, news channel and, and gotten some dude captive. And he's like, look at me, you know, and he just starts, I mean, he does it actually almost scarier than when, uh, when Batman's like, swear to me, you know, it's just, it, it does such an amazing job of going from one extreme to the other within a matter of a second. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, uh, my second favorite scene of this film, uh, but visually is my favorite of the film. And the reason why I say it's my second favorite scene, because the, my favorite scene of the film is very hardcore. But my favorite scene of the film is when, uh, you know, he's on top of the building and he's shooting all the little uh, timers to, you know, explode various things. And, of course, it's an IMAX, so it looks amazing. But, uh, you know, he jumps off the building and you just see him fly. Oh, that looks so amazing. It's so amazing. I mean, it's just it's breathtaking watching that scene, especially at nighttime. How excellent that scene looks is even more astonishing of how excellent that scene looks it's extraordinary i just i can't say enough good things about the flying scene and the way he just dive bombs into that building and the fighting let's talk about the fighting the fighting is so much better in this film you know if i had anything bad to say about batman begins which i didn't uh, i'd probably say my only little problem i had was the fighting scenes were a little like hard to see you know kind of like people had a problem with uh maybe uh an action karate movie and you couldn't see all the martial arts but uh the fighting is so, done so much better in this film you can see all the fight moves that batman does and all the enemies versus i think it was meant to be that way though where in batman begins you didn't get to see it all it was very fast paced uh kind of raw feel if you will and i think they i think christopher nolan purposely did it this way to show you that he's become a much better fighter now that he is full-blown batman so i love the fighting you know he just goes in there whoops those dudes man and uh he, get, he gets his guy in the hole when the when the plane takes him up in the air and oh it's just so good i love the hong kong scene it's amazing it's my it's my favorite visual scene of the whole entire film now, one thing I wanted to mention was the uh, was the GC the Gotham City Network videos. I think is the abbreviation. Uh, the ones that Anthony Michael Hall is always a part of. Uh, those videos were actually done by Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger actually asked Christopher Nolan if he could, you know, take a take the camera, the video camera, and film these scenes. Uh, kind of like while Second Unit was doing their thing. And Christopher Nolan, he saw uh, one of the videos that Heath Ledger did. He was so impressed that he's like, sure, go ahead. So all of those Heath Ledger prepared for and he made 
made all of those videos. So the ones you see in the film, those were all done by Heath Ledger. Uh, amazing. I mean, that just tells you the amount of love and compassion he had into making this character the best that he possibly could for us. And we definitely got rewarded by uh, an amazing, breathtaking performance. Now, I love the, uh, you know, whole uh, Bruce throwing the benefits, uh, you know, the fundraiser for Harvey. And uh, and Harvey just asks, Alfred, is there any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should know about? And, you and of course, it's in the trailers. And Alfred's like, you have no idea and just laughs. I mean, you got to love Alfred's humor. It's always excellent. It's like he always tells you the truth, but uh, he does it in a way to where you have no idea what he's emitting to kind of thing. So it's excellent. I, I love that line. It's it's great. And, of course, Bruce shows up with the helicopter with the girls, putting on the perfect show. And uh, just amazing. Uh, I, I just love the Playboy Bruce because he's so unlikable, which is perfect. That just tells you how great Christian Bale is, is, is uh, how fantastic he is. Because when he's the when he's the Playboy Bruce, you're just like, man, I hate that guy. He's a jerk off, you know. And then when you just see the real Bruce, you're just like, man, I love this guy. And you're just so emotionally invested. And then as Batman, you're just like, yeah, you feel the monster with him as he's the monster. And it's just, oh, so, I mean, like I said, there's nothing I can say that hasn't been said before. But uh, it's just, it's a it's an amazing ride. And, and I'm loving it, man. Now, uh, I love it when the Joker shows up because you get to see, you know, of course, Bruce, he's just walking and, and taking dudes out. He's like, hey, pretty boy, and just grabs the gun, and you just see him whoop the guy's butt and just take the gun apart and continue to walk. I mean, that just shows you how badass Bruce Wayne is, you know? I love it. It's just, it, it looks so great, uh, and I, I just love the way it's shot, and it looks so good, and then you just see the confidence level of Bruce. And then, of course, you know, Joker shows up, and uh, and that scene, man, I'll tell you, when he throws Rachel out the window, so, like, I'm like, my heart is pounding in the theater watching that scene. And it looks so amazing when you just see him jump out the window and grab Rachel. And uh, I, I actually didn't think he was going to fall and land on a car. I thought that he would use, like, his grappling gun. So it was pretty cool. I mean, that kind of told you right then and there how powerful his armor really was. That he could fall that far. Uh, which I guess should have been a clue of at the end of, duh, he's not dead. I mean, he fell much further when he was trying to grab Rachel than he did at the end of the movie. But, uh, I mean, that just tells you his armor is, is fantastic that he could just fall that far uh, without breaking any bones. Now, I do want to mention, though, uh, Michael Caine recently admitted, uh, admitted uh, during the press conference of The Dark Knight Rises that uh, the first time he met Heath Ledger, because uh, they asked him, what was your favorite? He's like, well, the first one was my favorite to work on because it was a new experience. But by far, uh, The Dark Knight Rises was his favorite of the films. But he, he was talking about Heath Ledger, how he he never seen Heath in the Joker makeup. The first time he saw him was in the elevator scene when the elevator door opens uh, and you see, uh, you know, and he... You know, and he walks in. Uh, if you look at Michael Caine's face, that's a real expression on his face because that's the first time where he's just like, "Oh my gosh, that's what he looks like as the Joker." So it was really cool that Christopher Nolan did that. Kind of like I, I found out for the Goonies, like the in the Goonies, they never showed the kids the pirate ship, so that way they could have a legitimate face 
when they saw the pirate ship for the first time. So it, it was kind of cool that Christopher Nolan told Michael Caine, hey, I want you to see the Joker for the first time in the elevator. So, uh, so just a little bit of trivia for you if you didn't know that. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, in that scene, I love the 360 shot, you know, with Joker talking to Rachel and you just see the camera, you know, like in Bad Boys 2, I mentioned how uh, my favorite scene was the 360 scene around Will Smith and the bad guys. But this time, Nolan tells you this is how you do it. And just it's so subtle. It's like you almost don't realize that the camera is going completely around, uh, you know, the Joker and Rachel during this scene, you know, and it's just I I love that. Uh, I love that shot. It's just amazing that 360 shot around Joker and Rachel you know this is obviously before he throws her out the window but uh, it's some good stuff and I kind of wish because in the previews you know he's like you know you got that fight in you I like you know I like that and then you hear Batman say well then you're gonna like me in their previews they show Bruce they show Batman saying that but in the movie, they just they just show the Joker's face, and you hear him say, it, and then you see Batman punch him. So I, I kind of wish that was done differently. I wish they would have not cut it that way. I wish it would have been like the trailer where you actually got to see Batman say, "Then you're gonna like me." Uh, the Joker, he's not a fighter. You know that's why he has his his goons to do the fighting. That's why he's got to stick a knife in his in his shoe because he's not a fighter. Unlike Bane, Bane's gonna be the fighter. The Joker, he's the chaos real smart crazy guy but he's not a fighter you know he 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 knows enough obviously because he was able to take that cop out uh later on in the film and use him as a hostage but he's not obviously a martial arts expert like batman so that's why joker is all about trying to do the chaos uh that that you know he doesn't have to do any fighting you know so uh, obviously they, they do that well improving that just by showing you how he's not really a good fighter. Now it's uh, really cool. We get to see Batman use his detective skills, you know, when, uh, he goes to cut that, uh, bullet out of the, uh, out of the wall. And then you see him kind of put the bullet, uh, together. Uh, you know, CSI style was pretty cool. We finally got to see, you know, the detective side that we had not seen in Batman Begins. So it was definitely a cool evolution to finally see that even though some of it was a little kind of hard to understand or some of it went a little bit fast. I think overall, though, it was cool of uh, the fact that we got to actually see uh, Bruce do some detective work. Now, uh, I do love it when Joker's in no makeup. You know, this is when he's going to shoot the mayor, and then we think Commissioner Gordon gets killed. Uh, it's pretty cool. We get to see the Joker with no makeup. You know, it's obviously for a split second. Uh, that's when, you know, they're like fire, and then they show they show the Joker fire, and then he just disappears. It's the only time in the film where he doesn't have makeup, so if you miss it, you miss it. Uh, there was actually a Toys R Us exclusive action figure where he was dressed up as the cop with no makeup. It was real creepy looking, and, and I loved it. I thought it was great. But I'll tell you, man, I just love that twist where you think Gordon's dead. Because, you know, in this universe, uh, Nolan's going to change things. You know, this is a series that's supposed to end. And uh, I would not be surprised one bit if, if Gordon dies in The Dark Knight Rises. I won't be surprised at all. I won't be surprised if everybody dies except Bruce Wayne. I mean, in all reality. I mean, it's it's got to happen. I would assume somebody's gonna die. So I just I love that whole that whole scene. Uh, it's just it was so mind blowing to think that Gordon was dead. And what I really like is the shot when you know they tell Gordon's wife that he's dead, and you just hear her screaming out in the "You hear me? It's all your fault!" And you just see Batman out on the ledge, just kind of like you know creeping and 
you know, at that point I had wondered if Batman had known that, that Gordon was still alive, which I think he didn't. You know, I think he found out later. It's kind of my thought process on that. Uh, who knows? But uh, I just, I love the shot it visually. It looks amazing with him just kind of, you know, just kind of crouching on, on the, on, you know, out on the balcony, just looking down and sad and depressed, which I, I think now that I think about it, I really think he didn't know Gordon was alive. I think he really did think he was dead. So that way he would turn himself in. And then I think he found out just the same time that the Joker found out that he was really alive. Yeah, they don't get into it. It's kind of something that you have to, you can take it both ways and either way it works. So it's, it's awesome. Now uh, in Batman Forever, I loved it. You know, when the Joker said, or not the Joker, when the Riddler said, you know, I'm counting on it. You know, when she's like, Batman, Batman, you say, coming for you. Oh, I'm counting on it. Well, in this time, they actually do that right. Uh, when, you know, he grabs uh, Eric Roberts and he's like, from a professional to professional, when you you want to drop somebody, make sure you kill him. And, you know, this won't kill me from this height. And you just hear Batman say, I'm counting on it. And he just drops him. And I just, I love this scene. I actually laugh at this scene. I laugh at the scene when the guy says, you know, are you time for a magic trick? I actually laugh at that. And I laughed at when Batman threw him off and he broke his leg. I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. I don't know why I had, I just had a sixth sense of humor today, I guess. It was just, I don't know. It was, I felt wrong for laughing at it, but I thought I just thought it was hysterical. Now, the uh, the flip coin. You know, I mentioned uh, how they got it wrong in Batman Forever, the flipping the coin. And, you know, he should only flip it once and that's his decision. Well, this scene, it works because this is where he's trying to get information out of the bad guy, making him think that, you know, when he flips the coin, you know, uh, the, the way the coin heads is going to be, you know, I don't shoot and tells it isn't. And I just love it when Batman grabs the coin and goes, you're going to let everything go by chance. And he's like, not exactly. Because he knows that the heads is the, obviously it's on both sides, but Batman doesn't know it at the time. And, uh, and I think it works because, you know, it's not out of character for him to keep flipping the coin because, number one, he's not two-faced yet. But, number two, he's doing it to get the information out of the bad guy uh, by scaring him, making him think that, okay, you know, every time it hits Tails, you know, or I, I remember what it was. If it was Tails, I, he was going to kill him. And if it was Heads, he would just try it again. So, I dig that. It was good stuff. Uh, it definitely was not out of character because number one, he's not two-faced, but number two, it works for the scene and I can go along with it. Now, uh, I love the uh, the Alfred, you know, I told you so talk because, you know, earlier uh, when he was saying, you know, know your limits, Master, Master, you know, Mr. Wayne or Master. Jeez, I can't talk today when he's just like, know your limits. You know, Batman has no limits. And, you know, he starts talking about how one day, uh, you know, I, I can tell you, I told you so. And then, of course, when he's like, what do you have me do? You know, Alfred, people are dying. Endure, Master Wayne. You know, uh, that do with the things that, uh, you know, Batman can take it. They may hate you for it, but uh, you get to be above a hero. You know, and then he tells the story. Uh, about the about the guy that they had to burn down in the forest but when he just like you know he finally gets to say i told you so and then he says but i don't want to tell you i told you so and then they kind of joke around he's like but i did bloody tell you and then he's like i'm gonna say you know they're gonna send me in jail too because i'm an accomplice and bruce is just like uh accomplice i'm gonna tell him it was your idea you know i just love that whole scene those two are just so great together 
But uh, I love Alfred's stories, man. They're really touching and uh, they just really drive a nail into the story. Anytime he's on screen and anything he says just really makes everything just, ugh. Just Alfred's so awesome, man. Michael Caine, superb job, excellent job. And uh, and Alfred is amazing in this film. He was awesome in Batman Begins, but he's even better in this film. You know, and we actually get to see uh, Rachel say goodbye to Alfred. You know, she's actually literally telling Alfred bye that she doesn't actually plan on seeing him again. So I'm really curious how this is going to work. You know, the whole note, uh, you know, Alfred burns it at the end. How is that going to play out in The Dark Knight Rises? Is it Alfred actually going to come out and, and mention it? I'm sure he will. I'm sure they're not going to leave that loose end uh, just laying around. I'm sure they're going to tie it up. But I'm just really curious how this is going to play out. And uh, it's just, man, but Alfred was able to say goodbye to Rachel, you know, and not a lot of us get to say, you know, we never know when we're, when we're saying our last goodbyes to somebody that we care about, you know, and at least Alfred can say that he got to say bye to Rachel before she actually, you know, unfortunately before she died. So it's some sad stuff. Now, of course, you know, being from Chicago, I love the whole, uh, you know, truck Harvey being in the truck and Joker chasing him and going through, you know, the tunnels and stuff. I mean, that's some that's a great scene. And I just love the whole, uh, you know, bat pod. You know, originally I was like, OK, so the back of the the back of the wheels are busted off. So how the hell does he get the bat pod? And then I never realized that he's getting the two front wheels are what come together to make the bat pod. It's like it breaks off and then the back, the other wheel swings around the back to create the bat pod. And so, and I finally forgot that today. Before I was always like, okay, I thought the back, I thought the back tire was gone. How did it just miraculously show up? So now I got it. I saw it. I always missed it before. So that was cool. But I love the bat pod, and I think it's even cooler that Selena Kyle is going to have the bat pod in the new movie. But I, I just love this scene, man. It's some good times. And uh, and I just love how the how the truck flips, uh, you know when he when he goes under it and is able to flip over the truck like that. Oh man, I mean it was in the trailer, but even seeing it in the trailer and then just seeing it in the movie, it was still breathtaking. And and most of all, it's Batman '89, but it's done the right way. You know, in Batman '89, when Joker uh, is just like, "Come on," you know, and Batman's in the Batwing and he shoots and misses every single bullet. It's ridiculous. But in this one, Christopher Nolan's like, "I'm going to show you how you do this scene." And that's when he's like, "Come on," and you know, "Come on and hit me." Come on and hit me. And you just see Batman. You know, he's got the bat pod and he's about ready to ram into the Joker. I mean, it was like that. That scene was more intense. Then the Batman 89 scene where he shoots all the bullets and misses them. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I just, I love that scene. It's good stuff. And then when you see that Gordon's actually alive, it was like, yes, he's alive. How, how great is that? You know, I just, in the theater, I almost wanted to jump up and down. I mean, I was like, seriously, he's got to live. But at the time, you're just so, you're just so involved in the film. You just think anybody could die. Because, you know, at this point we had the commissioner die. We had the judge die. And then you think Gordon's dead. So, I mean, and then it's just, you know, you think you think it's possible for Gordon to be dead. Because in this film, everybody can die, you know. And then shortly after that, we get the Rachel death scene, you know. So, uh, but I want to talk about probably uh, one of the greatest Batman scenes ever. And that's the uh, that's the jail uh, interrogation scene. You know, Joker's just sitting there chilling out, 
and Gordon gets promoted to commissioner and Gordon you see Joker just clapping which is funny but then we get the interrogation scene and uh, we get an excellent scene between Batman and Joker you know just everything from you know you're a freak like me and uh, then we see Batman get pissed off and, and the crazy thing is is Batman he's just punching him Joker in the face and he just keeps laughing you know and we finally you know that's how crazy he is that he would just love to get punched in the face and we finally get to see you know the Batman just will not kill and then he's just like you know you're gonna have to break your one rule and he's just like I'm thinking about it and you know and Joker knew that Batman was gonna pick uh, Rachel so he purposely gave the wrong address you know and it's just the Joker is just so intelligent you know and it's just amazing how 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 smart this guy is you know it's just oh he is just so flipping he's so crazy and psychotic and scary but he's so intelligent he's always one step ahead of you and that's what that's what makes the Joker so scary is the fact that this guy is always going to be one step ahead of you. And how are you going to outsmart him? That's always the thing with the Joker. Of why That's what makes him so appealing and so scary, really. And uh, and then when Rachel, you know, gets blown up, it was like, you know, my mouth just dropped. I couldn't believe she died. And uh, the way that Harvey's face gets burned, I mean, obviously it was so obviously a million, billion, trillion times better than the Batman Forever crap. I mean, it was so realistic on, on how it happened. But when we actually see his face, I mean, tell me that it's just not so mind-blowing. I mean, the Arkham City games have actually molded the character after the way that he looks uh, in The Dark Knight. So his just his face is just so amazing. Um, you know, it's so real, you know, like that's how your face would really look. I mean, it is crazy when you hear Gordon say, you know, I heard that you're refusing painkillers and skin grafts and then you just see the transformation of our hero, you know, turning into a villain. And then, of course, you know, we get our real Two-Face that, you know, we've been missing, which, you know, he takes the coin, he takes one side, takes the other, says, you know, you live, he flips to the other side, you die, and the Joker's so psychotic, you know, he just puts the gun to his head, and he's just ready to get shot, I mean, that's just how crazy our villains are, Uh, and then what I really dig is, uh, you know, right after that, where, you know, Bruce Wayne uh, goes to uh, get in front of the van that's going to crash into, you know, Gordon. Uh, to save the guy's life and here's what's cool is they don't actually tell you if Bruce knows but you could take it both ways like you know when Gordon says you know you you must not be watching the news he goes why who's in there and then he looks at him and he just kind of nods his head to him like hey I know that you know I'm Batman and I just saved your life or it could be played out as hey you know uh, I'm I'm glad I was able to save your life you know so it could be taken either way which is pretty cool uh, and then we get to uh, to the best scene of the whole entire film I mean you could say arguably but it's no doubt about it the best scene of the film and that's the fairy scene you know it starts off with Lucius by you know having the cell phones and saying that it's too much power for one person and that's you know and I thought he was gonna quit but of course he types in his name and the machine blows up at the end but uh but it really starts with the moral code of the film you know this scene the fairy scene man i'll tell you my parents watched this and you know i just said what'd you think of the film what'd you think of the fairy scene Uh, to this you know even now this scene has so much is so powerful 
because of the fact of it's it's a no BS scene. It's just all about you know what would you do? You know the the biggest. Uh, you know, love you could show another person is to lay your life down. You know, uh, any parent would lay their life down for their child. And, uh, you know, the greatest love you could show like your wife or husband is to, you know, to take a bullet for them or whatever. And this is what this scene asks you is, would you be willing to kill to save the life of your child or your family member? You know, and it's just, it's such a, a hardcore emotional scene that you think about. I mean, even to this day, uh, watching it, you, you seriously sit back and what would you do? Would that be you? You know, my whole life. Uh, I mean, growing up in the church, that's all I've known is that, you know, to love people and to always put somebody else above yourself. But uh, would I be willing to kill 500 people to save my daughter's life? I mean, it's a moral code that even if you grew up to to love somebody else or, uh, you know, to, to be the, the greatest person you can be of the of the golden rule of, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. When you're in that situation, what would you do? You know, you really can't answer that question. You really have to think about it. You may not like the answer that comes out. Uh, of how you would handle the situation. That's why that scene is so powerful. It really asks you, the audience, if this was you, what would you do? Because us as the audience, that's us in the ferry. And that's why that scene is just by far the best. There's no special effects. There's no cool looking scene. It's just, it's just a flat out question of, what would you do if that was you? And I mean, of course, this scene's awesome because we have Zeus in there, which, you know, I know Zeus from, you know, No Holds Bar, the old school Hulk Hogan film. And of course, we have uh, where he played in Friday with Ice Cube. So it was really cool seeing him in that scene. And then I just love the fact of uh, the Joker sees that both of the fairies don't blow up and kill each other. You know, and that's the thing. Batman has so much faith in people. You know, Batman knew right from the start that the two fairies weren't going to blow each other up. And just think about it, man. If we had as much faith in, in other people that Batman does, we'd be in such a much better place. You know, he always... Uh, believes that the person is going to do the right thing and he believes in the better side of a person even the villains I mean he's all about uh, you know just uh, it's just it's amazes me how much faith Batman has in us he believes in the greater good of, of the human being you know he's always had faith in Gotham he's always had faith in the people and just we could have so, uh, so much better work life if we just had that kind of faith in our in our co-workers and so much better in our family give our, our brothers and sisters and cousins the benefit of the doubt and just believing in the better the you know the better good in in the other person it's just I mean this movie really is all about the moral code and and how do you feel and what would you do and uh, to have faith in, in one another it's just amazing uh, the kind of lessons that the ending of this movie is teaching people you know it may not do that for you and if it doesn't that's great but that's just kind of what I see from an outside perspective I mean especially even watching it numerous times the first time i saw it i totally saw that and batman that's been his common thing since batman begins is to have uh to have faith in people and that uh you know justice will be justice but uh he will always give somebody the benefit of the doubt so it's just it's amazing man i i just love the fact of batman is and uh, and of course you know really the joker wins i mean joker falls and and the thing is a lot of people have always wondered why does the joker laugh when when he's falling to his death well that's the thing batman he thinks that batman broke his rule that he was willing to kill the joker so he thought he won and that's why he was laughing and then
then of course when Batman saves his life, that's when he gives the line of, you truly are incorruptible. This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And then of course he tells him his real plan of, uh, you know, how Harvey was his ace in the hole and stuff. But I mean, that's how crazy the Joker is. And of course the Joker does win this movie and it's so cool they didn't kill the Joker off and that you you're just expected to know that he goes to Arkham you know Arkham Asylum and I've never had a problem with the Christian Bale voices Batman ever and this is probably the only scene where I just kind of thought well he kind of went a little too far in the deepness you know talking about you know uh the city and all this stuff like that where he's kind of given his speech to the Joker how you know I believe in the greater good and stuff I mean I the, I think the words are great and the speech is great but I just think uh, uh, he went a little too overboard with the deepness of the Batman voice. But other than that, it's always been flawless for me. I've never had a problem. But that's the only scene of the of the film that couple of couple of seconds where where I'm just like, ah, I could have been it could have been a little bit better than it was. And uh, and I kind of wonder, did the ending change here? You know, he, they they left the Joker to live. But uh, would the ending have been different? Would they let a Two-Face, you know, live or, or die? Who knows? But uh, it's hard to say. But, I mean, it's good to know that Heath Ledger filmed all of his scenes before he died. Uh, part of me really believes, like 95% of me believes that the movie we got was the movie they wrote. And that was the ending, the way that it all plays out. So, And then finally we get the crazy ending, you know, where uh, Harvey shoots Batman you know, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, is Batman dead? And uh, then he puts the gun on himself. And, you know, I've talked about it before in the previous episodes about how, you know, did Batman kill Harvey? He was all about saving the kid. That was his only intention. He was willing to sacrifice himself. Uh, he was willing to fall off. Uh, as long as the kid lived, that's all I care about. He would have done the same thing he did for Rachel when he jumped out the window. You know, he would have grabbed the kid and, and held him on the way down so he would have landed on his back and the kid would be up. But obviously he was able to hold on while Harvey fell to his death. But, uh, you know, he was all about saving the kid. And the whole limp in The Dark Knight Rises, you know, Bruce has the cane, is probably from this scene, you know, maybe fallen. Uh, maybe he landed wrong on uh, on his leg and that's why he needs the cane. Uh, we don't know yet, but that's kind of my speculation with the whole thing. But uh, the ending, man, is just so, so emotional and just, uh, it's just unbelievable how, how crazy this ending is and how I mean, immediately, I just, I wanted a sequel so bad, and I was just like, what a great ending, but at the same time, I hated it so much. So, yeah, guys, that, I mean, I don't have anything I don't like in this film. Uh, everything I've said is everything I love about it. I mean, no doubt about it, it's five stars. Uh, my love for Batman Begins is slightly above this one because I can have more fun with, with Batman Begins than I can The Dark Knight because it is very serious. And it does ask you, it, it does ask a lot of questions for you as the viewer to, wa to watch. And, uh, and I can just, if I need to get serious or be depressed, I can throw this in. But if I just want to have a good time, I'll throw in Batman Begins. But uh, they're both awesome. I mean, uh, it's definitely, for me, the, the second greatest Batman film. But I truly believe, based on what I've seen and, and how everything looks, I think Part 3, The Dark Knight Rises, has the potential to be the best of the series. And, uh, and we'll find out in three days. Uh, it's Tuesday, so on Friday we'll go. I'll go see it. And then I'll post my review and I'll let you know what I thought. So, uh, so that's it, guys. That's my review of, uh, of The Dark Knight. So let's get into... Uh, Let's get into our emails and let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. Oh, 
All right. Our first email comes from uh, Sebastian. Uh, he writes in about Batman Begins. He said, uh, Sweet Delay Podcast. They gave Batman Begins a 4.99 stars. Batman Begins is a moody and visually st- uh, stimulating superhero film. Batman Begins sees the Dark Knight finally given the treatment and respect he deserves. Batman Begins, in my opinion, rekindles the franchise. It will be commercially possible to remake Batman stories with this persona and this set of uh, psychological principles on underpinning a new series of films i would uh i would to i would like to leave you with two quotes that define this movie uh rachel it's not who you are underneath it's what you do to defines you and then from ducard uh, if you make yourself more than just a man if you devote yourself to an ideal and if they can't stop you then you become something else entirely what's that a legend mr wayne so uh that's what sebastian had to write in batman begins thank you sir i think i missed uh i mean i think i missed your email on the last time so i apologize sir that i didn't get that you know i've been having the whole yahoo problems which is why i've been having everything go to my uh go to my gmail account so um our next email comes in from anthony the epic emailer and uh, he's like greeting masunis uh like expected you did a terrific job with the batman begins review thank you sir very much i i highly appreciate that and uh, he says, now, when it comes to the sequel, The Dark Knight, what can really be said about it that hasn't already been said? For the most part, the actors slash characters from the previous film did a good job continuing from what happened. And the ones that were introduced here did a terrific job mixing in. Having Harvey Dent being basically the good guy for most of the story uh, before becoming a villain at the end was a nice move as it showed the mm-hmm. fall uh, of someone who got them considered their white knight. Uh, might not fully agree with him um, dying at the end. Uh, I am sure that he could have been used in the future movie if one uh, was done. At least uh, the character was done nicely and far better than the Batman Forever version, which you know we both kind of share the same the same aspect there on the character and he says now on to the joker before this my joker was the one that mark hamill voiced for the batman uh, animated series but have to say that heath ledger did an amazing job he got the creepy slash dark aspect of the character that sadly has only really been shown in the comics and i can see why he apparently scared himself while playing the role sadly this was the last movie he finished before he passed away but you could say that he went out with the great role, which I I agree with you 100%, sir. Uh, if this was uh, the last Batman movie that Christopher Nolan did, I wouldn't have. Uh, it would have been. I would have been perfectly happy with it because it was something that was entertaining, and at no time was I bothered with the movie uh, that went on for a very long time. Movie definitely gets a five out of five. There are tiny things that annoy. But by no means does it take away on how good this movie was. That's all my email. Expect uh, that's all my email for this. Uh, bring on the Dark Knight Rises, Anthony Epic Emailer. Thank you, sir, so much for writing. It always a great time to hear from you, sir. All right, my email comes from Monday Night Jason. What's up, Watson? How's it going? He goes, "What's up, Mister Masunis and the STL Nation? Just wanted to drop a few lines on one of my all-time favorite movies, The Dark Knight." It is debated by many people that this film is the best Batman film to date. Other would argue and say that Batman Begins is a little bit better than The Dark Knight. For some odd reason, they exchange spots uh, after every viewing for me, which I'm kind of the same way uh, sometimes here and there. I hear you. Either way, 
This is an awesome movie. Heath Ledger killed it as a Joker. And I love the transformation of Harvey Dent and the Two-Face. As awesome as the movie was, it leaves you with the low point with Batman on the run for murder to cover up what Harvey did. Some of my best scenes would be the entire prologue sequence, the Joker's intro to the crime boss, to the crime bosses, the destruction of the Tumblr, birth of the Batpod, and the Joker Two-Face scene at the hospital. I could go on talking about this flick, but I'm sure you will cover everything. Well, I guess I'll end it there. If everything goes in my favor Thursday, I plan on seeing uh, Spider-Man leading into the Dark Knight Mirror. So if everything works out, I'll be writing in to tell you guys about the experience, which, sir, that's going to be one heck of a movie day, I'll tell you. Uh, so uh, we'll, uh, will you keep up the awesome work, sir, and keep those summer jams coming? Uh, thank you, sir. Holla at you later. Uh, Monday Night Jason. Thank you, sir. P.S. He says, thanks for pointing out what is my favorite scene of Batman Begins. The confrontation with the bats in the Batcave. This scene shows Bruce facing his fears and overcoming them. And the shot of all the bats surrounding him was breathtaking. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I hear you, man. I, I oh, Breathtaking is not even the, the correct word for that scene. So thank you so much for writing in. Uh, always a pleasure to hear from you, sir. All right. And uh, in our last email, which I know I only gave you guys a couple of days to write in so feel free to write in your thoughts about uh, the dark knight uh, or batman begins on the next episode for the dark knight rises so i'll have a few emails to read on that episode on friday but uh, this last one comes from my boy thad and he's like here goes uh, i'm on my phone so i'm hoping it works which it did sir he said i love the beginning with the copycat batman uh, it was awesome having scarecrow for a cameo and capturing him because it pissed uh, me off every time they had uh, that they killed the bad guys more on to that one later uh, the introduction the joker was amazing up to that point in comic book movies it was the best and still one of the best uh the use of all the guys in clown mask and having them having them off each other until it gets down to just him was brilliant and pure joker it also shows how intelligent and twisted he is and can be maggie gyllenhaal replacing katie holmes was okay to me she's a better actress and was a side character for the plot point setup in this one the meeting of the mob getting crashed by the joker and his disappearing pencil trick as an intro set the scene for how he was going to handle them uh, there is no dealing with somebody like him and they found this late and they found this out later on the joker is almost completely unpredictable he truly is like a dog chasing a car i don't know what i i don't know what i'd do if i got caught uh the intelligence of setting up batman and twisting harvey dent into toothpaste though not accurate with the comics was a brilliant story and well executed here's the more later part uh they kill two-face slash dent pissed me off there's my rant <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed the, which in all honesty, you know, we all can agree. We don't know for sure uh, if Heath Ledger had lived, uh, if, uh, if, if Two-Face would have lived, you know, maybe have like a team up in the next movie, then come back together. We don't know. We never know. But what we got is, is what we got. And maybe that's the way Christopher Nolan felt was the way to, you know, to complete the film, if you will. So um, I enjoyed the twist with Gordon and Batman working together and faking Gordon's death to figure out what was going on. It showed how much trust there is between the two and how much Gordon is willing to skirt the law for justice, which I agree 100%. You know, again, I don't really know 100% if Batman knew truly he was dead, but maybe he did. I mean, they do work they do work hand to hand so uh, Morgan Freeman of course was back again and did an excellent job I love his stand on what Batman had 
him do for the final battle and how it ended. That radio frequency pinpoint detection array was amazing. And since it was created once, I'm sure Batman simply would have rebuilt it in his cave. He never would have destroyed such a valuable device. Batman's morals aren't that angelic. Uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I really can't say enough about Heath Ledger's The Joker, far and away the scariest and most accurate portrayal to date. He brought uh, an amazing laugh that was a mix of Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, and Mark Hamill. Uh, then he blended it together and owned it. Hell, he took the best of all of them and then became the Joker. And that was part of his undoing. Enough on that, though. Uh, where do I start with action scenes from beginning to end? The movie flowed brilliantly. The destruction of the of the bat uh, of the tumbler and the reveal of the bat pod, the flipping of the freaking semi, and the the hilarity of Joker walking away and blowing up the hospital. Simply Simply one of the best DC movies ever. Uh, did my best with limited time and memory. I'm still working right now. Later, dude. Uh, Thad. Uh, thanks so much, Thad. Always love to hear from you, sir. Uh, I'll come up with a good nickname for you, sir. But like I said, in the award ceremony, uh, or your your name's awesome enough for me uh, to just you know go off of that. So thank you guys so much for writing and everybody that wrote in. I know it was kind of a short time frame to write in but thanks everybody for uh for getting that in i really appreciate it so if you want to write in feel free it's uh sweep delay podcast to yahoo.com uh if you want also uh as a backup because yahoo's been kind of stupid lately i do have another one it's stl podcast at gmail.com so uh so that's it guys for email so uh let's get into the music spotlight All right, music spotlight time. Now, I hope you guys have been digging the the summer music spotlight series. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's probably going to go on until like the end of August, uh, and then I'll be done with the whole summertime stuff. Uh, for this one, though, uh, you know, as I've uh, on the last, uh, you know, since I've started this whole summer series, I haven't been actually naming the uh, the name of the song or the artist that I play. Uh, usually, you're supposed to, uh, you know, wait till the next week, and then you look in the info, and it tells you the prior episode's name and artist. Uh, you know, I told you that just so that way everybody would just make sure you listen with an unbiased opinion. But these next two songs, I'm going to tell you this time because it's kind of some special occasions. Um, the first song I'm going to play, both of these actually have been played on the radio before. Uh, it's not going to be one of those first time you you don't know what it is. However, these two songs are amazing. Uh, they may not necessarily be summertime, but uh, one of them is dedicated to one of our STL members. John, the music man, he was supposed to go to a Hoobastank concert tonight, but however, uh, it got canceled. He couldn't go on Hoobastank. Uh, is definitely a band that I love, and I'm going to play Out of Control for you, sir. It's actually the first Hoobastank song I ever heard of. I walked into uh, to a video store, and they were playing the music video. I was like, man, this song's pretty awesome, and ever since then, I've been a huge fan, and uh, it is played on the radio for a while. It's a, it's definitely a great song to jam to with your windows down, so it definitely fits the, the summertime stuff. Uh, 
Uh, and the other song I'm going to play for you, which will be the first one, uh, is Live Like uh, Live Like You're Dying. Uh, and this one comes from Chris Allen. Chris Allen used to be on American Idol. He was the winner of American Idol a long time ago. Uh, I actually played one of his songs recently. Uh, he did Heartless, which was the remake of the Kanye West song. And uh, this one was on the radio a while. Uh, the reason why I'm playing this one is kind of with the themes of this movie. So many people die. Uh, and this song, it's a, it's definitely a happy, feel-good song, but it's all about, you know, live like you're dying. Uh, make sure you tell everybody that you love them because you never know when they're going to be gone. Uh, don't take anything for granted. Don't take any second of your life for granted because today could be your last day on earth. So make sure you live it to the fullest. Make sure that uh, you don't, uh, you know, you let everybody know know how you feel about them uh, because a lot of times you get into an argument with someone and they die uh, it's such a horrible thing that happens and uh, and I never ever want to be in that situation so that's why I love this song it's great it's it's been on the radio uh, before but uh, I think this it song fits perfectly with this movie because so many people flip and die uh, and it's a great great song so uh, these two guys I ho- uh, these two songs I hope you guys enjoy and, uh, and don't forget to email in, guys. If you see The Dark Knight Rises at, at midnight on Thursday uh, or on Friday, feel free. Uh, I won't be recording until late afternoon on Friday. So if you see it early, feel free to email me uh, for The Dark Knight Rises, and I'll read your emails on Friday uh, and get that review out. Remember, the first part of it's going to be non-spoiler, and then it will be a spoiler-filled podcast episode. So do not listen if you have not seen the film. So only, I mean, obviously listen to the non-spoiler stuff, but the spoiler stuff you need to go away from. So uh, that's all I got, guys, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a blast recording it. Uh, This whole series has just been so... Uh, so emotionally on me, man. I I love this stuff so much. It, it takes so much out of me, man. And uh, I'm just glad it's almost over. It, it's bittersweet for me, you know. So uh, it's good times. So uh, you guys take care, and uh, and I will talk to you in the next three days. So uh, so you guys take care. Masunas out.
question I thought it would help me see things clearly But instead of helping me to Let me know